all things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Say Hello and welcome back into another all-season edition here at the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Galata, and we have a very interesting episode for you guys in store, impact episode, because we're going to talk about Larry Wofford being cut here at, in a, not a thriller, I mean, or, or not a surprise, I'm not like surprised that he got cut, I'm surprised that the Saints weren't able to trade him, but we're going to get into all of that, and once we talk about him, and we talk really about the real storyline about Wofford being cut, and a lot of people are going to say, I'm um, just looking at the national media, they're going to say it's because of the, the Saints drafting Cesar Ruiz, but... It seems like it has a lot to do with the Saints picking Andrews Pete over Larry Wofford, which is very interesting, which we're going to get into. And then also, we're going to do three more teams in our top teams of the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era, the, the ranking of those teams. So just to refresh you guys' memory for the first three, because we did this before the draft. So the first three teams, the first three, the last three teams really on here, the 14th, 13th, and 12th teams on this list, where it's coming in last was the 2012 Saints then the 2014 Saints, and then the 2007 Saints. Next three teams will be there. I'm pretty sure these are going to be the last three losing teams for the Saints. And then we finally get to the uh, the winning years for the Saints. So that's obviously uh, really big, and that's going to obviously have a lot more discussion in them than these losing teams, but still cool to talk about as well. But we're going to get right into this Larry Walford talk as the Saints, I mean, Kind of, I mean, look, they, they they dropped the news, but to me, it wasn't a thriller that he got cut. To me, what interesting, what what is interesting about this is that, again, they picked him over Pete. And I think that's really the thing that we're going to talk about most in this segment is that, look, the Saints, yeah, they save the money. They save about $8 million in cap, 7.75 in cap, which is great. You're back over near $10 million. Once you take out those draft picks, you're going to probably be around $8 million once you have to pay them. So the Saints, look, $8 million, you can do a few things with that $8 million. You can save it for the season and see if you want to do a trade. You could get a veteran player for a few million, four or five million, or you could um, you can basically just put your teams with a few veteran players, like just put them like oh, a million here, a million there, a million there. You don't have to go all in for like an Everson Griffin. You can get a few guys that are just like smaller, that are just kind of roster fillers. I could see the Saints doing really either three. I think they want to save that money for the season, and I know a lot of people are going to want them to sign the Everson Griffin, sign the Jadavion Clowney maybe, or whoever it is, a receiver. I would like them to, maybe you fill out the rest of the roster, because you still have a few more spots. Maybe you fill them out with some camp bodies, but I would love the Saints to just kind of save that money for trading. And during the season, because we know something's going to come up, at least then we know the need, we could identify it and then add somebody at the deadline. And then we're going to have a lot of draft picks. So it's like, to me, that's, you know, I, I don't want the cap to be an issue. Because I think last season, a reason why we couldn't get a trade done was because of the cap space. And I think that was an issue. This year, it wouldn't be if you can keep around $10 million. Just like in, in 2018, when they were able to add Eli Apple, they were able to add Eli Apple because they had extra cap. So now this year, they do have this extra cap. They have $10 million and you could spend that. But again, it's going to be just interesting to see how it all uh, works out there, and or maybe you're spending the ten extra money, uh, ten extra million on extensions and stuff like that, and you're just going to use it that way. Very, very interesting. 
but kind of how the Saints could kind of use that money. We're definitely going to talk into more in depth what the Saints can do with that money. But for right now, I really want to talk about how Walford was cut the pro bowler and why was he cut instead of letting Andrews Peet go. And a lot of people are going to say this is a Cesar Ruiz thing. I don't think it is. Ruiz, I think, would have started on this team regardless. I think the Saints going into the Senior Bowl, going into all this stuff, they were looking at offensive linemen, and everyone was like, oh, it's probably just because they're getting rid of Pete, and that's it. And then the Saints don't get rid of Pete, and then you're probably like, oh, it's just a smokescreen. They're never going to get rid of Wofford. And then they pick Ruiz, and then it was like, yeah, they're probably going to either try to trade Wofford or cut him. They end up cutting him, which is, to me, very interesting, is how the Saints weren't able to get just at least like a mid-round pick for him is pretty bizarre but i i guess that shows a the saints basically giving up their hands like they probably had no trade um really no leverage once you once you once once you pick ruiz you really have no leverage but i mean still i mean the saints could have kept him and they used him as like kind of a six man or used um ruiz as like a six man like they did with senio calamente but they don't and to me it's just it's kind of interesting if i was gonna cut him it's it all matters to see what they do and we're never going to know that to me. And the book on this Wofford move is not going to be closed for years, in my opinion, to really, because you really got to see how Cesar Ruiz plays right away. Because this move and Andrus Pete, to me, you can't really judge this this move right now. It's a lot of unknowns. And yes, are, are you kind of replacing Wofford a known with an unknown? But here's the thing. Unknowns can be better than your knowns. Because to me, Wofford, as much as he was a pro bowler three times, it was never like he was like, oh, pro bowler type, pro bowler. Like, he was getting on the starting rosters. I don't want to knock him making the pro bowl. But again, he was a, a reserve all three years because of injury. So, again, you can kind of take that for kind of how, how how you want to. Now, look, PFF grades for Wofford are really good. I mean, no, no one's going to doubt that. So, you, you, you kind of... With that, it's like, look, P, uh, PFF is just one way of grading. And, and I think some people take it to um, take it to heart, and they're like, oh, well, Larry Walford is the eighth best guard, which he is, and, like, look, people, like, and, and then and then there's the other side of people, like, I don't care about PFF at all. To me, I like to put it, to put at least a little weight into it with everything else, and Walford, look, with his 73.1 grades, very, very good. You got to give him credit there, and um, Andrews Pete's, like, 45 grade isn't very good, and the Saints, you know, would have to fix that, and a lot of people think, you know, some people live by that and some people don't talk about it at all. But, I mean, I like to put a little weight into it. I think Walford's a good, solid player. The problem with him and the Saints, the Saints were not happy that he came into camp last year a little overweight. And they think his play really hurt because of that. He couldn't get out in space as much. And now he's getting, you know, a little more up in age. He's going to be um, he's going to be 29 when the year starts and then he'll be 30 uh, once he would hit free agency next year, so, but technically he would hit free agency this year. So he's 29. He's going to be 29 when the season starts, but also he's going to be 30 in two seasons. So the Saints are probably like, he's getting older. He's five years older than Pete, four or five years older. And they'd rather pay Pete than paying Wofford at 30. They'd rather pay Pete at 26. That valid argument, to me, what I... And and, like, and there are other arguments that we're going to get into, but to me with that one, I, I again, I just feel like when you're kind of trying to win now... Age shouldn't matter that much. I, I do think Walford is going to get paid a lot. Or maybe he won't. Maybe people don't see the value of him. But I, but, I, but I do think he will. Maybe not this year, but maybe in the future. I could definitely see that if he has a good year with another team. I thought he was really solid. Look, had, did he have bad games last season, the year before? Yes. But every offensive lineman has bad games. And yeah, did he have a bad game in a playoff game against the Vikings? Yes, he had a bad game against the Vikings. But again, for the Saints, 
Really, who didn't? You can count on the hands of people that had a good game in that Vikings game compared to the people that had a bad game. So, again, that's kind of the thing with Walford, and it's just like, to me, you're not going to knock him just for the Vikings game. Now, the Saints would have to see consistently shoddy play from him, and I didn't see that. Now, if you do, I guess that's kind of, like, if the Saints did, that's their opinion. That's what kind of what they're trying to do. It's, I mean, I trust Sean Payton a lot more than you trust me. I've been saying that over and over again, and I'll continue to say that. The question will be, will I interest Pete grow into something better than Walford? Because to me, Larry Walford's above average solid, about 12 to 10 best guard. Like, I think he's just in the top 10 probably, but like barely in there. Or maybe he's like 12th. Right in there. And the Saints cutting him, to me, that says a lot about, like, Andrew Speed, I wouldn't put in the top 15 right now of guards. Or even top 20. That's just my opinion. Again, and then you don't know how Ruiz is going to play. I mean, I think he's going to be very good. I think he's going to be a solid player. Same with a McCoy, but you, you know, McCoy moving over to guard. But again, you don't know for sure until you see it on the field. So that, that I mean, it, it's a question mark for sure. But again, the real question here is, and the real interesting thing, which I know this is kind of, this is going to be kind of changing a little, um, what I was talking about before, but. To me, I do think the biggest reason this was talked about by Nick Underhill, and this was probably the best point I've heard, and that's why Nick Underhill is so great, and definitely recommend you should get all his stuff, subscribe to his stuff, look at his podcast, all that all that fun stuff, because he's the best reporter New York has, or New Orleans has, excuse me. And he's basically, you know, he said that, look, the Saints, they're trying to get faster and younger at the offensive line. And one of the two things that Larry Walford is doing, he's getting older and slower. You're looking at his 40, his 40 time is... 5.58, which is very, I mean, it's slow. He's actually one of the slowest guards in the league. And he's bigger. And when the Saints are trying to run the zone run scheme and get him out in space, they couldn't. And they probably felt that in that respect, they they, they were hurt. Now, he's a he's good in pass protection, in my opinion. And Pete is not. Now, Pete is good at getting out in space. But again, the, the pass protection has to be there. And I think Walford was good in pass protection, but maybe he was just getting worse. And they're like, well... At this point, he's getting a little worse now. He came in out of shape. It's not good. And I can see that enough being to warrant not um, not paying him the big bucks. And then they're like, well, we see this guy in the draft who we think is going to be one of the better guards in the league right away. Let's just go get him. And then we don't need Walford. And because we think Ruiz is an upgrade over Walford, at least. I mean, that's you would think that's what they, they have to think. And they think Pete is better than Walford, or they wouldn't have made these moves. So then I see the rationale. They see themselves as upgrading, not downgrading here. But again, it is very interesting. And yeah, you add Pete, who's a fast guy. He's good at getting out in space. He's all the physical tools, just needs to put them all together. You have Ruiz, who's a more of a zone blocking scheme. He's very, very good with, um, you know, getting out in space, really good at that, you know, the physical attributes are there, the athletic attributes, I really should say, are there. Same with Eric McCoy. Same with Ryan Ramchek. Same with... Um, Armstead. So, yeah, now you have a scheme that you can run, and everyone's got that same identity. And you know what this makes? This makes Alvin Kamara smile so much, because guess what he runs? He runs the zone running scheme. So that means the Saints are going to keep Alvin Kamara, but I think that's a conversation for another day. But again, I do think that this move was a lot about more than... I think it was a lot about scheme more than and, and fit more than just actual playing ability. Now, I think Wofford coming in overweight... Didn't I don't think the Saints like that, and and maybe they saw a lack of, you know, focus or something. I don't know if that's true. I thought Walford did a good job, but 
the reason they pick Walford or they pick Pete over Walford seems to be because of fit. And the Saints felt like they were getting a good value with Pete because Pete's coming off of a really bad year because of injury. The Saints have said that. They said he's injured. He was injured last year. Now he's coming back healthy. Pete said the same thing. So that's kind of what the Saints have said. So they, the Saints feel like $10 million for Pete is going to be a bargain down the road because he can also play tackle. He could obviously play all the guard positions. And if Pete gets better, he could be a real tool for this team, especially with Taron Armstead being kind of wishy-washy with the health. It is interesting when you look at that scenario as well. But again, you really like to see... I mean, you, you do like to see that they're trusting Pete. Now, maybe you don't agree with it, but... That, that shows something, and paying Pete that much, the Chiefs wanted Pete, who's obviously a really good franchise, and they have a really good coach, so they, they wanted Pete, so they obviously felt like they can build something with Pete, the Saints felt like they can build with Pete, and Pete ended up staying. We'll see where Walford gets picked up, and we'll see what happens with him, but him not being able to get traded, I think, says something, either about the Saints or about Walford, and we'll have to see how quickly he kind of joins a new team, but again, saving $8 million is always a good thing. To me, you have to wait, to me, at least to the end of the season, to really put a um, grade and a and really true emotion about it and a true opinion. Like, I'm explaining the Saints rationale, but my, I mean, look, my opinion on it would be I, I would have got rid of Pete, I would have kept Walford, and I would have drafted Ruiz. I, I, I would be more happy about the Saints offensive line today if they had Walford, Ruiz, and McCoy in those three interior positions than if they had Pete, um... Ruiz and McCoy and I and I was saying that up to up until the draft I'd rather I want some new blood in here and draft one in the first round I did say that before they got Pete that was kind of the thing and then once they got Pete I was like oh they're probably not gonna get one now then I mean look obviously the Saints they're known for their kind of um just like they're gonna do what they want and um unorthodox moves this is kind of an unorthodox move considering he did make three pro bowls with you and you were successful. It's not like the Saints weren't successful as a team with Walford there. And I don't think he hurt the team that much. I do think he did hurt them in um, certain spots in that playoff game. And then really down the stretch, I think the Saints were hurt in certain games. I think Walford really ha- had some bad games. But overall, I thought he played very well. Solid, at least. Now, maybe the Saints feel like, yeah, you're not going to see it on the field, really. But we were unable to run certain plays because Walford doesn't have the speed that Pete does, that Ruiz does, that McCoy does. Now, that's th- that may be something. That may be something that, that that could very much be true, and that's a valid point. Because if you were limited because of his speed and his ability to get out in space, that could be a problem. But it's very interesting to see what the Saints are doing kind of with their line, but that's that's what I think. And look, your starting five is, to me is very solid. you got a, a really good left tackle. If he's healthy, Tyron Arms has a top five left tackle, and he's very, very good. So hopefully he stays healthy. For the most part, he stood healthy last season, so you're hoping he could kind of um, do that again. Your left guard's going to be Pete, and I, and I do think Pete, it's going to be, he's going to have to step up, and he's going to have to step up big time, because now this is make or break, and I know he got his money, and he's like, oh, I got my money, doesn't matter. No, it matters, because if he has a bad year this year, New Orleans is going to be on his head, and they're going to want his head, <laughs> because there's no, like, and let's let's say Walford goes to some team and has a good year, because that, that that's a decision. To me, it's not Ruiz over Walford. It wasn't McCoy over Walford. It was Pete over Walford. And that's going to be a head-scratcher, especially if Pete does the exact same thing he did last year, or even 2018, Andrews Pete. Because, yeah, when Andrews Pete is healthy and playing really good football, it looks great. And you're like, oh, Andrews Pete's playing well. And, like, to me, when the Saints offensive line was 
really, throughout throughout the last three years, when they were hitting on all cylinders, it was because Pete was playing well and everyone else played well, you know, because everyone else was playing well and then Pete was just that glue that brought them all together, kind of. And, like, you really... And then when Pete didn't play well, you saw a big difference. So, if he plays well, you really... To me, he's an X-factor to this team. And, and next year, and I know left, uh, left guards may not be an X-factor, but especially with Drew Brees, who you need that interior um, protection, it's a really big, really big for the Saints. Then you have... Your center to me was going to be Ruiz. I think Ruiz is really good. Uh, I'm very confident as his knowledge ability as as a center. I'm very confident in his athletic ability, his physical ability. I think he's going to be just fine as a center. Again, same with a right guard with uh, McCoy. Had a very good rookie season at center. Guard's easier to play than center, so I'm I'm assuming he'll slide right in there perfectly. And Ramchek. All pro, really good, and you're gonna have to pay him a ton of money next year. But you know they'll have to do that when they when they get there. So again, that is really good stuff for the O line. Again, I'm expecting the Saints O line to be top five again, and that's my expectation. We'll see if it comes true. I think if Pete, I I don't think the loss of Walford, like it's either we're gonna be very very good and we'll have and all our problems will be fixed, or the same problem, Pete Pete Pete, just like it was last year, and. That's why I don't think it's more of a Wofford or Wofford or Ruiz because it's not going to be... No one's going to be complaining. Like, Ruiz is going to probably play well, and no one's going to complain about him. No one's going to complain about McCoy at uh, guard. It's going to be... If Pete plays bad, it's going to be on Pete. So that really is like, yeah, would you rather have Wofford there or would you rather have Pete as one of your guards? And, and I do... I, I, I it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. And I would have went a different route, but I'm not the coach. I'm not the Super Bowl champion. So I trust it, but I'm expecting the Saints to be better than last year, to be quite honest with you, because um, they did move a few pieces around here. You're going to have a few moving parts, and I do think, look, the Saints did have some issues in offensive line, and hopefully this Wofford, this kind of exchange for Ruiz in there and Wofford coming out, hopefully that's a big help. You get younger, you get, I mean, you're hoping you get more athletic. You know, I, I do think that will help the Saints this year and hopefully in the long run. And I do think if the Saints had Taysom Hill, as their future, you would like to have a more mobile offensive line as well. So I do think that's also uh, a reason why they went away from Wofford, who's less mobile there. So I do think that that's going to wrap up our talk on the linemen. So before we get into our kind of next three teams for ranking for the Drew Brees and Sean Payton teams, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Houdat Discussion Podcast. Welcome back into the Houdat discussion, and now we are going to continue our rankings with the top Drew Brees and Sean Payton teams. So, basically, we started from 14 down to 12, and now we're going to do 11, 10, and then 9 here. So, 14, just to do another recap, 14 was 2012, 13 was 2014, and then uh, 12 was 2007. So, now, number 11... This one is an interesting one. I think that, like, these are the last three teams that didn't make the playoffs, but to me, these were a little step further. Because, like, to me, these were the teams that were just, like, knocking on the door of being very, very good. And there were kind of a couple of things that kept them away from that, but that was kind of what it was. But uh, 11th team is 2015 Saints. So just to give you some background on them, they did go 7-9. and nine, And this team had the second-best offense in the league when the 31st Worst defense per point. They were the eighth best offense and 32nd defense here. 
to me, the Saints really hit their stride, especially offensively later in the season. Um, they scored under 25 their first three games, but then they really hit their stride. They scored 26. Um, that they ended up scoring 31, 27, 52, um, 28. So to me, they did. They did, especially at the end of the season. Then you went uh, 38, uh, 24, 27, um, 38, 20. So they were able to put up points as they always are, and they put up yards. I mean, they put up over 400 yards a few times. I mean, they had a 600-yard game against the Giants. This was the year when the Saints won 52-49 against the Giants. That was a crazy game, uh, for sure. So, a very... This team... I guess that's really an epitome of this team. That 42-49 that game against the uh, Giants, where the Saints actually ended up winning. But this team just had a, another another Saints team, just, just like um, last time we did this ranking, with a really good offense and a, a really bad defense. So, we'll start with the good, and then we'll get into the bad. So, the good... Look, Drew Brees... Another really great season. Another, um, he didn't end up with 5,000 yards because he actually didn't play. He only played 15 games, so he would have got 5,000 yards if he played. He was about uh, 150 yards off. But um, he, Breeze was really good. 32 touchdowns, 11 picks. That's a really good marker, and he didn't even play the full season, so he would have probably even had any more touchdowns than 32. I mean, f- uh, over 4,800 yards. Um, again, he he, he, he was played outstanding. And, I mean, he got sacked 31 times. But uh, he, to me, he did very good. Luke McCown played one game, and then he was uh, in that game. He was 32 of 39, 35 touch, uh, 335 yards in one pick. I do remember that game. The Saints were in that game because I believe they they're playing the the Panthers, and um, I remember they. Um, let me try to find it on here. Yeah, so they're playing the Panthers. They lost by like f- uh, four or five. It was at Carolina. And uh, they were in it the whole game, and then they were actually driving down the end of the field at the end of the game. They were down by five. I, I think they would have won if they had Drew Brees, but they ended up with McCown, and McCown just... And he was driving down the field, and then he just threw, like, into double coverage into the end zone, and they picked it. But uh, but then Brees came back and played the rest of the games. But to me, that, that's pretty interesting, because this was one of the seasons that Brees didn't play every game. Then looking at um, the running backs here, was Ingram kind of led the way. He had uh, 770 yards, six touchdowns. Tim Hightower is here. He had um, almost 400 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Gary Robinson had four touchdowns. C.J. Spiller was also with the Saints. This was the year where he hit the overtime, the overtime like 80-yard pass from Drew Brees. That was a really, uh, a really co- a cool moment there. Um, that was really his only moment as a Saint, but that was a uh, big there. Uh, that kind of wraps up with the running backs. Another running back by committee team. Didn't have Pierre Thomas this year. As sales and fourteen was his last year, but this was really an Ingram Hightower Spiller with kind of Kerry Robinson as well in there. Then you had Brandon Cooks led the way for the Saints, uh, over 1,100 yards um, receiving, nine touchdowns. This was a big year from Willie Sneed, who had almost 1,000 yards. He had um, 985 yards. So he was, he was 16 yards away from a 1,000-yard season, 16-9 catches there. And then B- Big Ben Watson had a big season, almost 75 catches and 825 yards, six touchdowns. Marcus Colston in his uh, weaning years here. He did eclipse over 500 yards and added four touchdowns. Brandon Cooks, uh, Brandon Coleman, excuse me, he kind of came in there late for, um, he was kind of with Colston, and that was supposed to be a changing of the guard. Never happened, but that was kind of interesting because he added 455 yards that season. Moving over to the defense, and this is kind of where things drop off. Your leading tackler was Stefan Anthony, and I think that kind of says enough about this team. He had a, He had a bad year, but did have the most tackles, so... Kind of beat as you may there. 
you had Delvin Bro with a pretty good year of three picks. He did have a... This was one of his years. And definitely you should check out his his interview. He just did an interview with uh, Chris Rose Vogelu. Really good stuff while kind of... kind of It talked about... In, Chris did a really good job and giving Delvin the floor. But um, it, it talked about basically how he left the Saints in that situation. Really good to get his point of view on it. And just another side to the Saints. So I, I did think that was a really, really well done interview there. So I definitely think you guys should check it out if you haven't already. But again, I he was he played pretty well on this team. Cameron Jordan again, he had a ten sack season, so he wasn't the issue. Holy Kaha, he came in here four four sacks, but again, he never got it together with the Saints. So again, it was just another kind of misstep for the Saints. All the the defensive line itself wasn't bad because you had Kakaha, you had Jordan there, and I mean you had uh, John Jenkins was there who wasn't awful. I remember. I mean, Bobby Richardson, again, like, just these are kind of just, like, rotation of guys. You had Tyler Davidson, who wasn't bad when he was with the Saints. So, that, not a bad line, per se. Your linebackers are really bad. Ramon Humber, Danell Ellerby, both were bad. Um, Danell Ellerby got hurt, but he wasn't good when he played. Um, Jarius Bird played 13 games a season, but it was another really bad season from him. And, um... Who else played linebacker? Hawthorne. David Hawthorne played not very good. A lot of just slow linebackers. And that was one thing with those Saints teams. A lot of slow linebackers. Completely different than today when you have Demario Davis, Zach Bond, um, Alex Anzalone, who are just fast guys. Uh, Kiko Alonso, more fast guys. These guys just weren't. They were more veteran-type players that were just older, which doesn't bode well for the team. Brandon Browner was on this team. He was the starting cornerback to go with uh, Delvin Bro. Oh, boy. We don't want to get into Brandon Browner, who... Was just had a very very bad year. Let's just let's just put that. And it was off the team in one year. Really bad signing. Probably the worst, one of the worst signings from the Saints free agency standpoint. But then you had Kyle Wilson come in, who didn't play well from the uh, cornerback slot. wasn't good. Damian Swan played a few games. I mean, like these are guys who are just no namers. Well, you know we're naming them. Um, safeties. I mean you had Jerry's Bird, who again just didn't wasn't really the guy there. Strong safety was Kenny Vaccaro, but was still coming on. He had a pretty good year. And then that was kind of it uh, for the Saints. Brian Dixon played, if you remember him at cornerback. A lot of crazy things here when you, when you look at it. Um, so that was kind of what the Saints were here. And um, kind of is what it is, I guess, with this defense. And um, interesting for sure, but they just never... This team was just like the year after 2014. They got rid of a lot of guys from that era. This was just a start a new point. They missed on a lot of free agency. That's why they were in a playoff team. But they were building a culture, and this was the first year that they did that. Because um, you kind of got all the, the bad guys out. Really, I mean, more of a 2016. Like, to me, this thing's really built um, the team in 2016, like what they have now. They built that core in that in that year. This was kind of a start to that, because they did add some guys, but 2016 was the real start to that. But again, they had some really good games here. I mean, you're looking at them, they could have made a run here. They had a lot of close losses. That Panthers game, I think if Drew Brees played... Uh, the Saints would have won that one. I think they would have won. They lost an OT to the Titans. I remember that was a thriller. They could have won that one to get over 500. I mean, they lost three points to the Panthers later in the season at home. They could have easily won that. And then they lost by eight points to the Lions. I remember that game. They blew it. So, again, 7-9 and nine always kind of just, like, falters. And you're just you're a little short. And that's what the Saints were here. Moving on to our number 10 slot here. We are going to move to the 20. 16 Saints, just one year after 2015, and why I'm going to put this team um, over that 2016 team was just 
kind of more and like look they still have a 7-9 record but again I, I do think this team this is this is really part of the core was from this year that that you kind of see come alive here seven and nine but again you lose a thriller against the Raiders which you probably should have won then you could have been one no you lose a, a game against the Giants where you lose basically on a block punt or a block, it was a block field goal excuse me where they returned it for a touchdown we only lost by three that block field goal doesn't happen we win the game that's that then you lose um, against the Falcons at home. Tough loss, but you probably would have lost that anyways. We do end up winning the Chargers game. But even if the Saints came out of there 2-2, two and two, you would have been happy. You do get a win against Carolina, a nice win, um, where you win in a shootout. But then, you know, you lose to the, the Chiefs kind of barely. You have a really nice win against the back-to-back wins against the Seahawks and 49ers. And then at that point, I thought we were coming. Like, this was kind of what you go, you go to 49ers and you kind of crush them. And, and, and this was a really big game to me for the Saints because it was just like, you know, my, my, Marcus, um, not uh, Marcus, Michael Thomas, excuse me, had a very good game. And he was really coming into his own later than he kind of started coming into his own. They win that one. And then you're kind of riding high. And they lose by two points to the Broncos. And they lost those two points because Will Lutz got a blocked extra point and they returned it for two points and they lost. They would have won that. They would have been five and four. They lose by three points on Thursday night to uh, to the Panthers, which they could have won that game easily. They could have easily been six and four, and that's with those two losses at the beginning. You could see a lot of games flip flopping. They lost a lot of close games, and they learned to play in those close games that year. And they had some bad losses, and then the next year, 2017, it clicked, and they were able to win them. And in 2018, you were able to build off of that. In 2019. Really like that, you know, you saw what you were getting at in this game, this, um, in this season, but just didn't all come together. They had a really nice win against the Rams, I remember that, and it was kind of like the first time they were playing Greg Williams, they wanted to win it, so that was pretty cool. But again, good, uh, just a good stepping stone of a year, besides that, a lot more of the same. Breeze had an awesome year, um, he played, I mean, a 5,200-yard uh, season, 37 touchdowns, he did have 15 picks, but 37 touchdowns, pretty insane there. I mean... You know, classic Drew Brees. Running the ball, Mark Ingram had his first 1,000-yard season, so that was really good for him. Tim Hightower got over 500 yards. Saints were able to run the ball to be very good. And then you had uh, Michael Thomas, who had over 1,100 yards in his first season. He had 92 catches. Brandon Cooks had over 1,100 yards as well with 78 catches. Both um, Michael Thomas had nine touchdowns. Cooks had eight. So that's obviously very interesting. Willie Sneed still had a pretty good year with, I mean, 70, 72 catches. Definitely nothing to go uh, to kind of just overlook. And, I mean, Coley Fleener didn't have a good year in his first year with the Saints. But, again, the offense was clicking, and you and you could see where it was going to be very good um, for the future. Then, going to the defense, again, you could kind of see some some guys coming in here that we still know today. Um, but some, look, Craig Robinson was that main linebacker. He did have 115 tackles. He wasn't bad. He was just kind of slow. And, that, and, that, and that's like when you play him long term, he gets beat by it a lot. They did have Von Bell, and he was, you know, just first year, and he was growing, but ended up being very, very good. Cam Jordan, seven and a half sacks, but really no one opposite him, so he was still doing his thing there. This was the uh, the years when we had Ken Crawley and Sterling Moore as our starting cornerback, so that was, I guess, looking back on a pretty fun BW Webb as well. Definitely remember all those guys. Paul Kruger, I remember the Saints brought him in here, and he was a dud, but uh, again, he was on this team. Kenny Vaccaro had a pretty good year. I mean, really kind of, um, not more of the, I mean, yeah, kind of more of the same from the last few years. I mean, Delvin Bro, 
Uh, this was his last year with the team. But again, I mean, they had James Laurinaitis for a few games. He was actually good when he played, but just never came together. Stefan Anthony, this is really when he was phased out. Um, and he wasn't really a factor anymore. They ended up trading him the um, the final the following year. So, again, this is kind of what it was for the Saints. Michael Monty, I remember he played for the Saints at, in a... Um, I believe in like a... He, he was a player... I mean, he was going to be a special teams player, but he also had some snaps at linebacker. Tyler Davidson's still there. Um, and, and that was kind of it from this team. Again, they were kind of right on the doorstep. The, the defense was very bad. I mean, look, the, the team offense was ridiculously good. I mean, you put up... They almost put up 70... Um, uh, 7,000 yards, which is nuts. They put up 68, uh, over 6,800 yards um, of offense. They give up over uh, 6,000 yards, though, on defense. Per yards, they were the top top offense in yards, second in points, and then in defense, they were the 27th in yards and 31st in points. So that's kind of really what you gotta got to put out. But this offense is really good, and you could see why it was so good in 20. 2017 because a lot of the same stuff they used and they were able to use it towards the future so that was obviously really big there and then our final final game or final year the now we're into the top 10 now single digits number nine 2008 and this was a year so to me they went eight and eight so this is the best record for the team every other team uh from that was seven and nine so again this team they were able to put up a basically about like how we've been talking about, they've put up a lot of points. And they gave up a lot, of, a lot of points as well. They were the first-ranked offense in points and yards, and they were the 26th in points defending, and then 23 in yards. So again, this was a this was a team that they were kind of building. Look, you have that 2006 as kind of your benchmarker. You have to get to 2009. They kind of they kind of went back in 20 uh, in 2007, and they kind of went up a little bit in 2008, and they had obviously amazing in 2009. But you can see where kind of everything was put in. And Drew Brees just, I mean, had an insane season this year. 5,000 yards. First person ever to have 5,000 yards since Dan Marino. 34 touchdowns. I mean, I, I had Drew Brees in fantasy this year. One of the main reasons why um, I kind of probably st- kept rooting for the Saints was just because this this team's offense was insane. I mean, they were able to put up a ton of points. And obviously, as a young kid, you love to see points. And that's what the Saints were putting up. I mean, you're looking at these wins. I mean... They didn't. They only had in their first eight games was because they're by because week week nine. They only put up under twenty four points once, and then the second half they only put that they never put they only never put up under twenty, but they did score twenty points twice. But they put up a ton of points in this team. Again, real just epitome of those same teams that kind of were five hundred, really good offense, and not so good defense. But again, this game is just like another another season where like they lost close games. And that kind of just happened to them. They kind of got beat by it. They lost by, like, five points to the Washington Redskins, um, two points to the Broncos, three points to the Vikings. I mean, going down the schedule, then they lost against the Bucks by three, and they lost in overtime to the Bears by three. Again, that's just, it's just a lot of tough losses, close losses, and you're eight and eight, so you have two of those games go your way, you're at ten and six. So, like, the Saints were just right there. It was a really good stepping stone here. Breeze was outstanding, as I mentioned before. Pierre Thomas was good with a Deuce McAllister and Pierre Thomas kind of together. And they um, combined over 1,000 yards. They had Reggie Bush, who um, added, he added over 400 yards rushing, added 400 yards receiving. He was good as well. But, again, Lance Moore had a 10-touchdown season, who had, a, a to me, a great season there. They had Marcus Colston, 
who got hurt this year, but still, when he was healthy, played well. Again, very, very good stuff here. And I, and again, Drew Brees spread, and this is just an epitome of how Drew Brees spread the ball because no one in a thousand yard season, but I think they had four or five guys um, over uh, over 750 because they had one, two, they had three, and then a fourth one over 500 or 575, I should say, with Billy Miller who put up 580 yards. So again, Brees spread the ball out, just amazing. And then just looking at other, I mean, like between receivers, tight ends, running backs, it, it was a it, to watch that to be a really young fan, and it was it was, a, it was a work of art. The defense, you bring in Vilma, so Vilma really really stepped it up for the defense. The defense was 23rd ranked, so it wasn't as bad, but still bad. You had Scott Fajitas, um, Scott Shanley, and John Vilma; those were kind of your core defensive players, and then you had players building around them. The secondary was going to be the big issue for the Saints this season, and it just kept on being a problem. They had, they, had, they had to fix it, and they ended up fixing it really in 2009 where they brought in Jabari Greer and those guys. But um, like they still have Jason David, who was awful. You have Tracy Porter, young Tracy Porter, but he's a good player, and he kept on growing. So that was good to see. And um, you still have Mike McKenzie, who just, again, um, wasn't as good here. So, you know, th- that's kind of the Saints where they had Usama Young, who played 15 games for the Saints. You had Randall Gay, who played 15 games for the Saints. So they did have a lot of kind of changeover at that that cornerback position, but it was kind of just like the changing of the guard there. Uh, Charles Grant and Will Smith, both the, 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 also the uh, the line didn't play well, that well either. So it was really just those uh, linebackers that played well. The line wasn't as good. The secondary as well. But again, that's kind of where we're going to kind of stop the talk here. For today, a longer episode, so I am a little sorry about that, but I had a really fun time with this episode from Walford. I think that's an extremely interesting topic, and then also about these Saints teams. I love talking some Saints history, but I had a really good time. So I think with all that said, it is time to wrap up this podcast. If you like what we're doing, you should definitely follow us on our social media platforms. That means on Twitter, at the this. You can follow me personally on Twitter, at Andrew Galata. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, at Hoodat Discussion, and then also you can listen to this podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts. That means Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, all that fun stuff. We are there. Next week, we will be starting our um, film study, so definitely look for something out later in the week. I'll be working on it throughout the week, and then hopefully going to get out a really good product. I'm hoping that it's a upgrade over the last ones we made, but um, I'm just I'm really excited for those, and I'm going to just really work hard on them. That's going to be the thing for the summer that we're going to try to add new here uh, to the podcast and kind of the Houdat discussion as a whole entity. But hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Run it back and Houdat.